My name is Chaplain Gail Crock. I'm president and co-founder of Spiritual Care Consultants of West Michigan. I want to thank you for joining me today because today I'm going to be talking about the 10 keys to running a good race. And you might wonder whatever it was that inspired me to do such a message. And the thing that inspired me to produce this message was what I see in life as people walk with the Lord and as they go through spiritual care. I often find that people start off well, but very soon after they've started off well, they get distracted, they go off course, and many times you see them totally given up. It says in Galatians 5-7, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Many times people learn the truth, they start operating in it and doing it, then all of a sudden the enemy comes along and sows his lies and they give up and they quit using the tools, and they quit obeying the truth. Many times we get sidetracked, distracted from the things God wants us to do, and we start drifting off course. Life is busy. It's easy to lay aside the things that we really should be doing. So today I want to talk about the 10 keys to running a good race. Key number one, we must keep a proper focus. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We must keep our eyes on the things of his kingdom and keep his word first and keep doing the things that we have been taught. The enemy's plan is to knock us off focus. Key number two, do not get entangled again in the sin of the past or the negative thought patterns of the past. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, in the verse you see a key. It says, Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So what happened is, the enemy comes and he begins to tell us his lies. and be like, You can't make it. God isn't with you. Quit using those tools you're being taught at spiritual care. They don't work, and all of a sudden you find yourself falling back into old sin patterns and old negative ways of thinking, and you get entangled again. Key number three, we must throw off every weight and sin. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. The key here is throw off everything that hinders. What is hindering you from running a good race? Ask the Lord to bring revelation to the hindrances. Some translations say, Let us throw off every weight and the sin that hinders. What's weighing you down? What's distracting you? What's hindering you? It's time to throw off everything that hinders so we can run the race without hindrances successfully right to the end. Point number four, we must follow the signs and read the guidebook. Hebrews 12.1, the B part says, Let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out before us. See, the race has already been marked out. If you want to know what to do, you go to the scriptures. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But what I really want to focus on here under this point is the word perseverance. 
You need to have perseverance to get through the race. The Lord never said the race would be easy. In fact, many times in life, we find ourselves running through the pain. There's an old song that says, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Instead of the sunshine, there's going to be a little rain sometimes, and that is really true. We must run through the pain. You know, the marathon runner in about the 20-mile mark hits what they call the wall of pain. They're either going to keep going or they're going to quit. They have to reach down on the inside, and they got to do everything it takes to run to the end. We must keep pressing on, even when we feel like quitting. You see, when we're in the pain, this is where the enemy really likes to lie to us. He says things like, you see, the stuff that you've learned at spiritual care is not working. You should just quit. God isn't with you. You know, there was another person in the Bible that understood running through the pain or pressing through the pain. His name was the great apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't live in the past pain. Paul understood it, you see. Before his name was Paul, his name was Saul. And he killed Christians for a living and he thought he was doing God a favor. And you know, I know why he wrote this scripture. It's because there must have been many times when he had to deal with the pain of the past. And he had to decide, I'm not going to live in it. I'm going to press on. We must not allow ourselves after we've been healed to live in the pain of the past. Mark chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, talks about a man who was demon-possessed and lived in the tombs and cut himself with stones. You know, that word tomb in the original language is like setting up a monument in your mind to a painful event that has happened in your past and live in that place over and over and over. When we live in the past of negative thoughts and events that have happened to us, that is where the enemy can really begin to torment us and stop us right in our tracks. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 8 really gives us a good perspective about running through the pain. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, excuse me, I don't consider it joy when I'm in a trial, but that's what the Lord wants us to do. Then verse 3 says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You see, when we run through the test the right way, and we do it with the right attitude, we gain perseverance. Then it says in verse 4, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see, our tests and our trials and running through the pain of life, as we read the guidebook that has the race all marked out before us, those tests and those trials build perseverance in us. And it says then, 
perseverance must finish his work. What does that mean? When God is working perseverance in my life, that means he's going deeper and deeper and deeper, making me more conformed in the image of his son. Continuing on, I want to talk again about what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. When I was reading this, the Lord spoke to me really clearly about the scripture. And he said, what the enemy really wants to do is to smash our clay jar. The Bible says we're made out of clay. When God created Adam, he created him from the dust of the earth. So the Bible compares us to a clay jar, which means that we're fragile. And so we carry this treasure in a very fragile clay jar. And the enemy wants to crush the clay jar and take the treasure if he can. But Paul says we can stand up to the enemy and we can stop him. The treasure represents God's special plans and purposes for our lives. You see, if the enemy can smash your clay pot, the next thing he's coming after is your treasure. Why? He does not want you and I to discover the secret purposes and plans for our lives that God has for us. And he doesn't want you and I walking in it. So he wants to steal the treasure. And then Paul uses an interesting word here in this scripture. He uses the word perplexed. That word in the original language means on the edge of a nervous breakdown. Paul went through all of these hard things. He felt like his clay jar was about to be crushed. He felt perplexed. He said he was struck down but not destroyed. He was persecuted but not abandoned. And yet, in the end, he got through it all. You might want to ask, how? He talks about how he got through this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. When I read this scripture, I'm totally amazed because when I'm going through a hard time or a test, I do not consider my trial to be light or momentary. So how could Paul? Well, he made it really clear at the end. It was by keeping a proper focus. He kept the heavenly perspective. He did not keep his eyes on what he could see. He kept his eyes on what he could not see, the unseen world. He kept his eyes on heaven. I like this scripture in Isaiah 41, 13, where the Lord says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. In all that we do and everything that we're going through, we must keep a heavenly perspective and we must run the race that has been marked out before us. Key number five is you're not alone. In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the great cloud of witnesses, the great men and women of faith that have gone on before us, that are in heaven cheering us on. Many times when we're running the race, we feel like we're alone, especially when we're in the midst of a test and a trial. And I want you to know, you're not alone. Others have gone before you and have made it through. Your situation is not impossible. Key number six, don't get distracted. Galatians 5, 7, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? 
Probably the enemy's number one weapon against believers is distraction. To get you distracted away from the real thing you're supposed to be doing. So in other words, the enemy could use a good thing to distract you. It doesn't always have to be a a bad thing. So we must be always asking the Lord, is this what you want me to do? And if you get distracted, get back on course, brush the distraction aside and go on. Key number seven, change and transformation takes time. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. God gives us a promise. The promise says, hey, let me paraphrase this. I started this work in you. I will complete it. All you got to do is say yes. So be patient. Keep pressing on and don't give up. Then it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Bible says that we are changed from glory into glory. If you don't understand that transformation and change is a process, you'll get discouraged in the race and want to give up. Key number eight, keep doing the things you were taught from the word. Revelation 2, 5, the A part says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. One of the very easy things to do is this. To quit doing the things you did at first. Remember when you first got saved? How much you read the word and prayed and spent time with the Lord? Well, how are you now? Are you taking that same attitude? You remember when you went through spiritual care and you start using those tools? You were doing the I am statements, the new pathways. Maybe you were even doing the hooks and journaling. Are you doing it now? Are you continuing on in the process? If you find that you're off track, stop and get back on track. Point number nine, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. I love that. Right there, it says, and God is faithful. It's not a question mark. It's a promise that he's faithful in whatever you're going through. And then it goes on to say, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Wow. God not only is faithful, but he provides a way out and he promises whatever you're going through, you can get through it. So in the midst of your situation, if you will look, you will see God's faithfulness. Point number 10. Remember the words that you have received from the Lord. When you receive a word from the Lord, maybe you were reading your Bible and he gave you a verse and it just stood out to you and you know God spoke to you or he spoke to you through a friend or you got a prophetic word from someone and you knew it was from the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. God wants us to run the race well. And when you recall the words and the ways that God has spoke to you, it encourages you in the midst of the battle. Because many times you'll get a word from the Lord or God will tell you something, but all your circumstances are a contradiction. For instance, God says, I'm going to provide and take care of you. You're going to have enough money to meet your needs. And you look at your checkbook and you're in the negative and you say to yourself, how can that be? Well, if God has given you a word, God wants you to stand on it. He wants you to fight with it. He wants you to proclaim it. Because a word from the Lord can help you persevere in the darkest of times. So today, if you're running the race and you're discouraged, maybe you need guidance. 
Maybe you need direction, wisdom, strength. Maybe you just need to feel the presence of the Lord in his peace. Today, I want to pray for you, that God would provide all those things for you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are under the sound of my voice today. Lord, no doubt there may be many that feel like giving up. Maybe there's some that are just setting off on the sidelines wondering, where are you, God, in the midst of my situation? Lord, I pray that you would give guidance, direction, wisdom, and strength. I pray that your presence and your peace would flood every person that is listening. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide and direct everyone that is under my sound of my voice. And Lord, you said the angels of the Lord encamp around those that love and fear him, and they deliver them, Psalms 34, 7. And I pray right now that you would send your holy angels to surround and encamp around those that are discouraged. I ask, Lord, for the strength to persevere to the end, to finish the race strong. And I also ask, Lord, that you would bind the enemy in the name of Jesus, that you would stop him from operating in the lives of those that are listening. And we give you all the glory for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me in this message. I pray that it's been an encouragement to you and a blessing. To learn more about us, I would encourage you to go to our website, www.spiritualcareconsultants.com. Look up some of our tools. We will have recordings on the website for you to listen to and many other things that will be an encouragement to you. And may God richly bless you.